Listen, what I'm going to need from you guys is some understanding because my fantasy football team, four final people, and I'm the opponent that I am playing against has two very important Green Bay Packers on their team. And Samantha is an enormous Green Bay Packers fan. And she also is not able to not celebrate when they're doing well. <laughs> and that means that I'm watching, a, you know, it's like watching a game with someone cheering every time my opponent is destroying my, my hopes and dreams to win this game. Um, and that's fine. You know, it's fine. I'm doing fine. My relationship is more important than fantasy football. But you can only have somebody like laughing and smiling and saying sorry so many times before you're like, I can't be in this room anymore. I can't. And my ego can't handle this right now. I'm not a good loser, but you're not a good winner. And I have to go. I appreciate both of you for carrying my extra weight tonight. I'm going to do my best. Um, connected by one thing and that one thing is love and roman's enormous dong uh, <laughs> welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 207 the one after seattle where every week we get a whole bunch of comics together and uh read them in our comic shop that we know run love organize uh you know party at we partied at it yesterday um we take them home we read them we bring them all back it's it's different in COVID times. It'll go back to normal one day. But in the meantime, we will still do this thing where we com- com- um, come together. Uh, uh, commiserate? No, different word. Anyway, here we are. I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Col- no. Oh, I'm fuck Col- yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Okay, so here's what I'm really excited about tonight. Tonight. What I'm excited about. Tonight. Tonight. Everyone knows that Django, you know, just his confidence spooks everyone out. But what we have here is that Jeff and Colette are both people who, you know, in our uncertainty, sort of like talk and, you know, like excited, we'll, we'll say things. Colette and Jeff can kind of like jump and talk back and forth and it can go for a long time. What I'm excited about tonight is Roman flexing his, I have something to say, listen to me now muscle. I'm excited for Roman who now looks like Darth Maul or something, given that he just put a hood up, um, very Sith Lord. But I'm, I'm just excited for him to be like, you know, hearing me like three quarters of the way through a sentence and just kind of like finishing my head of him being like, and right. And then, th- so Roman, excited for that safe place, Colette and Jeff. If you don't, you probably won't get to say anything is my point. Now you're okay, just huh? playing with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I don't really have much to say. So. Yeah, see, I don't really even know what you guys do on that there podcast, yeah. Yeah. Sith don't podcast. Oh. oh. <laughs> We're going to talk about comics this week. We've got a variety of books. If you're wondering where Django is, we are too, actually, now that you mention <laughs> it. Um, but I do think he may show up at some point. I don't know. But he will miss the front-loaded Django-based comic book conversations. And you'll know exactly what I mean by that when I tell you that we're going to start by talking about Rorschach, number three. We're going to talk about Second Coming, Only Begotten Son, number one. We're going to talk about Barbalian, number two. Solid Blood, number 17. 
Death Metal, number six. New Mutants, number 14. We're going to talk about Post-Americana, number one. We're going to talk about Wolverine, black, white, and blurred. Um, we're going to talk about Immortal Hulk, uh, King in Black, when, that, when the right time comes up for that. We're talking about a little bit of Night Hunters, a little bit of Psychodrama Illustrated. Listen, we don't have, you know, Django's Uber Indie Underground Power Hour right now. We've got Marvel, Roman's Mary Marvel Minute, and then Colette and Jeff, who just talk about comics. Because, you know, that's, that's all we really know how to do. We don't know how to become characters. But anyway, that's what's on the docket for the day. I'm so glad that we're waking up here, having coffee together. The sun is rising. A little bit of the bird chirping. You can see the... Chirp, 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 chirp. Exactly. There we are. Okay. Colette, I think that you were on, like, exactly a month ago. I think I was. When I was looking at all the books that came out this week, I was like, wait, I... Yeah, it's got to have been, because it's a whole bunch of sequels to what last yeah, time. Yeah, so um, I'm glad, because I think you were, yeah, you were here for Rorschach number two, I specifically mm-hmm. remember. So Rorschach yeah. number three, oh. I have a hard time talking about this book in a vacuum, because I'm just so inundated with Django's, like, sweat about it, you know? Like, it just <laughs> drips down, and I'm just like, do I like this, or do I, or do I just really like Django? But... I th- I've been reading it in a Django vacuum. So. Okay, okay. I think, I think that this is maybe my favorite issue of the three, but I also, I don't know, I loved number two. But I, I started this, and every time I've started anything kind of Watchmen tangential for the last like year and a half, I've been like, all right, like Watchmen. I, I guess, I don't know. I have, in the way that Roman last week was like, I have just event fatigue. I just kind of have Watchmen fatigue. Like, I love Watchmen. I loved the TV show that came out. But I'm just a little bit tired of everything being kind of related to it. Um, so this issue and the previous issue, by the end of the first page, both times I've been like, oh, no, this is just really fucking well done. Yeah, I go into this, like, I am fascinated by Watchmen, but it's not something that draws me in by it being Watchmen. This, I was like, Tom King is doing a hard detective story. That is what I want to read. It happens to be in the Watchmen universe and surround or be tangentially attached to all that. So I, fuck, this was good. It was, it was really good. And it's like the, I just, Jorge Fornes is so on point. Just down to like that page two, like the detective sitting in the diner just something about Jorge Fornes's ability to like do backgrounds and like repeat it. Like the, you know, this diner, it's all the same, but each of those window screens is at a different height. Mm-hmm. Like, and the blinds are, I mean, so I don't know. There's just like consistently this sort of like symmetry, not symmetry, but just like repeated. Th- I don't know. It's like almost like a minimalism. It like backgrounds become patterns in a way. Like I just love it. Yeah. They're not just, scenery and settings it's mood setting they're a part of the story completely every every weirdly drop shade every random little rock sitting next to a gravestone is building the environment for you it's not just i need to fill this panel with stuff so that it's not boring (laughs) and yeah god it's beautiful and this one just Every single page, I just got more of that just, like, sinking, intense, just, oh, <laughs> feeling as I was reading it. And I love the just the framing device of this issue. Like, the kind of crux of it is all this detective who's been reading this journal that he got in the previous issue at a diner. But 
as he's reading this this journal, like we are seeing scenes because it's the woman who was with the Rorschach character on the first issue who did this assassination. And it's kind of the story of how she became who she is. But I like that he like consistently is seeing her and Rorschach. Mm-hmm. Like giving this kind of like, are they there? Are they not there? Like he's just so, you know, focused on or obsessed about this thing that he's seeing these characters. He's learning her, but the focus is still on solving the mystery. So it's always connected to when she would have shared this story with Rorschach and how that would have led them to what they did. And uh, yeah. Oh man. Sorry. I keep like no, starting not with at a all. thought and then I just get overwhelmed by just no. how good it was. Romy. What what did Romy said think anything. about this? Yeah, well, he's just, you can see us. The, the listeners yeah. can't see it, but he's got his thinking. He's like appreciating and thinking about this book. I I I I was thinking. I was considering what Colette said because she cleared up a confusion I had at the end of the issue. Because at the end, I thought I was confused because I thought the Rorsch, whoever this Rorschach, this this Rorschach and the girl were actually in the diner, which confused me because they're supposed to be dead, um, and and they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i my guess was that that was why that last panel or last four panels on the last page was reminding you that she was dead mm-hmm. up in the balcony was in case there was confusion about yeah and that. you're right and and yeah and totally if i had been paying more attention on that last page when the the waitress asked him anything i can get you she's clearing a plate from the table where the page before Rorschach and the girl were sitting. It's the same window, mm-hmm. same shades, everything. Yeah. I love the way that even as he's reading that journal, when the bit about the father's suicide happens, the way that she and Rorschach then kind of walk up to him and kiss him on the head and say like, you know, bye daddy. Like just this yeah. really, you know, like as he is reliving the or living through these memories for the first time, so too is the storyteller or the journal writer with him. And I, I really liked that kind of repeating motif through it all. The so surrealism. I'm oh, sorry. No, no, sorry. Um, so that was, so that was figurative too, right? Because that confused me too. I think so. I think that like okay. this is her the story of her life, but it the visualizations of how it's presented. It's almost like she's escorting the reader of the diary through it all. Okay. Yeah, I felt like that Good. was trying to, that was a representation of her emotion mm-hmm. attached to all this stuff as opposed to the reality, which was the page before telling the suicide. Then her coming back was him getting in, the, the detective getting in touch with her emotional um, motivations and, and where she would be at with that she would go back to this spot and if he was still there, like that Mm-hmm. was how i read it i kind of consider this this book at least so far to be uh what you were asking for you know something that's in that same world but doesn't really reference it at all because it's a you know it's not original rorschach and even when this crazy dad mentions the squids my brain automatically like pretty much substituted um you know, whatever the bullshit conspiracy theory is, QAnon morons sure. believe in. <laughs> Substitute that for 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 this. And and I think you're right. Like I, you know, aside from the back, the book is called Rorschach, and like, and that I, you know, you can substitute like QAnon for this squid theory. But as soon as you mention the squids, 
you know, it is tied to Ozymandias' plan to do this thing and the squids yeah. are like, it's not a shortcoming. It is, it is like for a guy who doesn't really want to read something related to the Watchmen, <clears throat> this is as far away from the Watchmen as you could get for a book called Rorschach. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm tired of that character. I'm tired of Rorschach. <laughs> like I'm tired of those characters, but I really like this book. Um, like it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's my own weird thing. It's not the quality of the book at all. No, it's a totally uh, understandable thing. I mean, I, I had gotten pretty burned out on star Wars for a while there, even though I still enjoy it. I still mm-hmm. liked watching the stuff, but it was just like, can we take a break so that this is fresher and more entertaining again? Mm-hmm. Cause it's been a lot. I do like that. Like nowhere in it does it specifically spell out to you. What of like there's references made that seem like it might be the same universe as the TV show mm-hmm. uh, or the same interpretation, but also maybe not. And I, I like that there's at least some, some question as to what version of this universe it is keeps it a little more interesting to me. Um, I like whatever just I, happened. I, in yeah, whatever. No, no, I, 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 Roman. I it, it, it cracked. It, it made me chuckle because you mentioned the question in a book about Rorschach. Oh, oh Roman, you old dog. <laughs> Roman, what like what else <laughs> do you have to unpack about this one? I mean, I talked. Yeah, you know, along those same lines. Um, Something else that made me chuckle, uh, at one point her dad in this, during one of their training sessions, um, when he's got a handful of, of calamari, he, uh, he mentions, uh, talking about President Redford, he got rid of Manhattan. And I was so sucked into this story and not thinking about Watchmen characters per se, that I had to stop and think, what does he mean by that? Did, did they blow up Manhattan? And it took me a few minutes to realize, oh, Dr. Manhattan. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Um, oh, I, I just assumed it was the town. I didn't even think about Dr. Manhattan. Wow. Yeah, no, it's that like... Set him off to where he can't fight the squid. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. concocting excuses to hate yeah. someone even more. Or that whole... It fits the logic that I want it to, and therefore it must be real. So before we give our scores, I just want you two to know that uh, we have a shop Zoom account but it's tied to Django's email and you have to pay for zoom account to have long recordings. Um, so I'm using his account instead of my own right now. And I've just changed the screen name to small penis. <laughs> so the next time that Django gets on this and gets on a zoom call, his name is going to be small penis. And <laughs> you better listen to this podcast before he zooms again. <laughs> I give Rorschach number three, a nine. I think I think it's amazing and you know it's I think there's an argument for it to be a 10. I think that it's a, it justifiably a 10 if you really like Watchmen stuff, which I like Watchmen stuff. Um I'm going to give it a 9 also. I I it was really good. I didn't like it quite as much as the second issue, but that's just cuz I prefer that genre kind of. Mm-hmm. I was trying to decide between a 9.5 or I'm just going to go a 10. I mean, yeah, I I thought this was fucking fantastic storytelling. Get it? I, Even I if totally you agree. don't love the story that's being told, it's just a beautiful example in one issue of how you tell the arc of a person's life. And yeah, yeah. Just, Coco's Gooey is the first one of the show. Yeah, it's <laughs> dripping. I and I, yeah, I think this 
this and the last issue are both incredible instances of how you can use a single issue to tell a story. And like, you know, when I've started every one of these issues, I've been like, do I want to get embedded in like a long Watchmen related story? And every time it's like, nope, here's just a tiny little look at a person's life in the after effects of the Watchmen world. And, and that's what I would exactly want from it. The next Django book on our docket is, I happen to believe, I happen to, I think I know, believe maybe that he said this was his gooey duck. Is that right? He yeah, said it was it not a gooey duck because oh. there's a banana that's drawn, drawn very wrong. And it is. This guy does yeah. not know how to draw bananas. Otherwise, it would have been a gooey for Django. A so that's Django's that's store. Right. <laughs> and yeah, he, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of, now I'm just looking at the banana. It's yeah, it <laughs> wrong. It does look like a defective popsicle or something. A defective popsicle. Gosh, yeah, it is an incorrectly drawn banana. Um, this is the first issue of the second chapter of Second Coming. Mark Russell uh, doing the writing on this, and art is done by Richard Pace, who cannot draw bananas. And this tells sort of the story of the origin side of the Superman character that we in- were introduced to as the roommate in the first arc of it. He, Django, loved this book. He told me it felt like a return to form for Mark Russell. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was pretty dang good. I thought it was pretty dang good. Um, but I didn't love the first second coming. I think I dropped off after about two issues, even though, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What did you two think of this one? You, you guys get, get at me about this. I really liked this one. And, and yeah, the first series, I admit it, it was kind of rough for me to finish that series. In fact, I wouldn't have except... It it was Mark Russell, Mm -hmm. so I wanted to finish it for his sake. But yeah, the last like three, four issues of it, whatever, I was like, yeah, yeah, come on. But this was great. It's back to you know great satire, social commentary, um, Sunstar's home planet. Just like Krypton's gonna self destruct, but unlike Krypton, it's not natural causes. They've totally done it to themselves because millennia ago they started mining for one resource and never diversified into any other resources so everything on the planet's made out of crystal i love and that now, and now the planet's going to collapse in on itself because they've sucked out all the crystal they've hollowed the thing out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's ridiculous and so yeah the issue is just sunstar's parents and their last night alive and they have to have some obnoxious neighbors over for dinner and and there's some great commentary there. <laughs> I just, it, it was like pretty close to, the, I mean, like it's the Superman origin, obviously, because it's supposed to yeah. be the Superman origin, but it, it didn't even feel like it satirically diverged too much from that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it was just like, oh, okay. Like this is an all, like just a kind of tilted version of that other one. I almost would have liked it to be more its own self than so kind of, I, I don't know. Like there, there was funny parts. I loved like the way that he told the wife about what was happening. I loved the justification for the planet going in on itself, but um, I don't know. I would have liked it to be a little bit more its own thing. One of the things I liked that was completely different was the, uh, when Sunstar or Sunstar's dad, I forget his name. Um, when he's talking to the, like one of the head people at the ministry of science that guy, unlike Jorel, this guy actually believes him and it all makes sense. He's right. like, oh, yeah, that's obvious. And, but there's nothing we could do now. <laughs> and, his, and his dad's going to walk out the door. It's great that that panel shows the guy holding a gun to his head. He's going to kill himself because there's nothing else to do. 
but kind of the center apologize the only way he knows how to the people for having ignored the problem (laughs) which i thought was perfection yeah but they're all going to die in a couple hours anyway so it's kind of of pointless (laughs) but i love the fact that like the center of the panel almost just off center one of the main things you see is the big gleaming green crystal doorknob of his office Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was very clever i mean even their glassware is made out of those crystals (laughs) colette what'd you think I thought this was fantastic. I thought it was so moving. I liked that it was so much like the the standard story and it was all about telling the or using it for a vehicle for telling the moments with the people differently than mm-hmm. telling me a new story. I didn't actually read the first second coming. I meant to and just didn't get to it. Um, and this was... I couldn't get enough of this issue. I thought it was so good. The, it just, there's those times when Mark Russell, just his writing is so real and relatable. It's just, you know, these people, you know, these interact, you've been in these interactions and yet they're just pushed to that perfect extreme to get you to just kind of do that. Huh. Yeah. That's, I'm not even laughing, but it's that, realization funny kind of a thing i don't i don't know how to describe it but no i think was... you just described it perfectly actually like that <laughs> I, I think he does that so often like that that he he strikes such a tone of like comedy but also exasperation that you don't even it's not even that you laugh out loud it's just this sort of like chuckle to yourself about how like a cynical chuckle i don't know mm-hmm. I, yeah it's I, that I, acceptance that just like what like, can you do other than laugh yeah or acknowledge the humor in this fucked up or weird or (laughs) ridiculous thing that we all do or put up with and uh, the yeah that they're that they're not letting anybody know that the planet is going to explode later tonight they found out this day and there's no time and that that the the horrible people that they got sucked into doing a dinner party with are already on their way so they can't cancel and that whole just man i do a lot of social things well before covid that i don't want to do out of obligation (laughs) and this is just such a beautiful reminder of fuck that live for the people that take care of you and are kind to you and by the time that they're putting is it sunstar was it is that his name yeah um yeah in his uh (laughs) his spaceship that's seriously that's the biggest one you could afford um the panel of the mom and sunstar nose to nose i yeah. i was in tears i was i was actually sitting there with tears running down my face as i was reading i really like goodbye the final two pages i thought he like kind of i like the way he put a bow on it mm-hmm with the, just the the bit about parenting mm-hmm. i've been on record as talking about like the very first one of the very first comics i remember having is sergio argone's destroys dc and he it's sergio argone's from mad magazine doing retelling the origins from all of these dc characters it was very much this down to the mm-hmm. joke about the size of the spaceship and like all of that stuff so it it if hit very close to home on a book i've already read um but yeah i don't know uh what'd you guys score wise go for it I, I'm going to give it a nine and a half because I don't love the art. Um, but I thought the story was really... I, I was very pleased that I read this. Roman's thinking. 
Man, I think talking about it and look and looking at it again, I'm going to give it a ten. Yeah, and yeah, I, and I can't believe Django wouldn't give it a ten because it's even got besides the main story, it's even got a Krampus story in the back. <laughs> I think it's a ten. I think he just oh, yeah. likes it's, to it's go on be. point about bananas. Yeah, yeah. It's I think be. it's a nine point nine 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 nine. Other than <laughs> Django, those um, bananas are. I couldn't not look at those stupid bananas. The two panels of them <laughs> when I was reading this lovely exchange about parenting and why we have kids, and I was, I was like fucking bananas. I'm gonna go I w- seven. On I wonder. I wonder if Jesus was like because Jesus is holding that banana. I wonder if he's like his Jesus powers, he's like making it thicker and shit. weirder than any banana would be. So he can just keep eating banana. Jesus is superpowers to manipulate bananas into an eternal yeah. Mobius <laughs> banana loop. Instead of the fish and bread, he, he does it with bananas. Barbalian number red planet. Number two by, uh, Tate Bromball for the script and story by Jeff Lemire and Tate Bromball and, uh, art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta. Beautiful, beautiful art, mm. and uh, mm-hmm. colors by Jordi Belair. Roman, do you want to leave this <laughs> off, or do you want me to oh. do this? I'm not used to doing these things where I'm. Um, I could. I'm trying to remember. I mean, this series is set in like you know Barbalians. What maybe it's like Barbarian Barbalian year one, his his first yeah year or so months on Earth in his new human yeah, it's, identity it's early on he's got his job at the police department he hasn't been there very long um in the first volume of black hammer they they did the exchange where he hit on his partner and it didn't work out and this is all kind of spinning out of that moment um i only oh. know that because that's the only volume that i actually read and so oh, okay See, i remembered it <laughs> I for, wow that's cool because i'd forgotten that that actually happened before the first issue of this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was pretty brief in there, but it was, it, so it's all kind of spinning off of that. And at the end of the last issue, after dealing with um, the protest and battling uh, Mark Marx's whole need for authority, but also, you know, saving this activist life when he was falling, but then turning him in, he ended up finding a gay bar, but changed how he looked when he went in. And, um, this is it starts off with him meeting people in the gay bar i didn't realize until a few pages in that it's actually the activist who he'd saved who got arrested is the guy that's showing him around at the club um but it's uh it's just that the story of someone starting to learn who they are when confronted with other options that they didn't really know were someone that they could be or a world that they could be a part of is kind of how I read it. And, and as it goes through, he starts having to face more and more the, the conflict of being able to be gay and be able to live a life that's, um, I think he's realizing feels more right with his need to follow rule and order and then meanie from <laughs> mars is coming after him and that's my uh that's my description of that issue and god knows if that actually made any <laughs> logical sense but it, it it does it does and it's and i you know one of the things i think is so interesting and cool about this series is uh setting barbalians kind of earth origin and background um 
in the history of the, the gay rights movement. And because I didn't, I, I don't know, I just, even though I knew the character was gay, I didn't expect them to do that so heavily, lean into that so heavily with this series. And it's just so cool. The themes of identity and yeah, he's trying to figure himself out and the fact that he was exiled from his planet and now being hunted by this this bounty hunter and he was exiled because of his, of him having feelings that even on his planet they can't deal with somebody that that uh, I don't remember if they have only two binary sexes on their planet or what but they don't like him there either because he doesn't love the right people the right mm-hmm. genders um, it's it's so it's such a much deeper story than I guess I anticipated and I don't know why I didn't I expected less. <laughs> it's it. I've I've been really moved by this story, partially because I this is a lot of my community growing. Like I grew up on Capitol Hill in the late '80s and early '90s. A lot of my family and like that was. I grew up surrounded by the gay community, and it felt like it feels like home to me and this this memory of this time that was so uh, I think we kind of forget what that that era was like when AIDS first hit and it's still so hard for for the LGBTQ plus community now but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm losing my words. I, I just, it takes me back to a, a hurt and a, a beauty and um, a time that I think we need to remember and uh, not enough people actually really know the depth of, and this has been a very respectful um, telling of that period and not just a caricature of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean the fact that, cause yeah, it's, it's set right during the it must be the early 80s um because they'd make a lot of references to to aids and the cops their their new approach is totally based fear-based approach about mm-hmm. you know couching their bigotry and and well protecting our community from you know this this new disease and everything and, it, and it's and it's very well done and one of these characters does we discover does he's either recovering he either has it or he's lost somebody to it or both i'm not sure um yeah yeah it doesn't specifically say but the fact that there's still pills sitting out on his his bedside table i'm guessing he's positive yeah. um yeah it's very touching and they made one reference i was going to ask you coco maybe you know um they make a reference to Stonewall, but also to the the White Knight riots. I'm not. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't remember the specifics of the White Knight riots. I meant to look it up after, and I didn't get back to it. I believe it's kind of a reiteration of Stonewall, but that was in San Francisco. It would. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I meant to look it up too because I know yeah. I've heard that heard that term, the phrase, but. Yeah, it's one of those things that I read that and I was like, oh, I remember hearing about that, but I don't actually remember anything about it. I need to, that's wrong. I need to look that back up. And then I didn't. Yeah. So what do you guys give this one? 
Wow. Look at, looking at through this again right now and talking about uh, this is another one. I'm going to give this one a 10. Get it. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I think it was really solid, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. This is a very good read it. All right. Okay. We're cruising. We're moving. It's all very good. Roman, was there like a, was there like a, a book that was Wolf, Wolf, Wolverine center that was like black and white and red? Was that this week as well? You know, it just so happens, yeah, it was black, white, and blue. Was it um, was it different entirely from uh, the first issue? Um, it was in that it had different artists and writers. Okay, <laughs> but did it did it fill you with different feelings than the first? It it filled me with blood and then drained it all out. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I that sounds actually... like a very painful erection. <laughs> I actually like the first issue better now, that, you know, looking at these. I mean, this does have the final story is Chris, Chris Claremont and it's Wolverine and I still want to call her Kitty. Kate Pride <laughs> um, in Madripoor, which is always fun. And that was the best story in the issue. You know, the first story is art by Greg Land, who none of us oh. here like. <laughs> For... <laughs> Talk about three people who don't like Greg Land. Oh, God. Yeah, and black and white doesn't really improve no. his art though i don't think it bothered me as much as it does in color <laughs> yeah but i also like i the second page that's all the saber tooth stuff i was like are these the exact same panels from his weapon x run just that, done in black and white so we don't recognize that they're, I've, i felt like i was looking at and like i'm I am pretty positive i've seen that exact panel <laughs> before is like, he I, is he that's he was the artist on that Weapon X? Because so. I had the same I, feeling on this. That... Like the, the original one? No, the, okay, the recent saying. one. The one with like Domino and Lady Deathstrike. And... Oh. Wow. I think you're onto some because I had the same feeling. I, didn't, I couldn't name the series, but yeah, the first page when we positive, see. Well, the first but... page when we see Sabretooth, though, I thought, wow, that's that I've seen that before. But and... isn't that the Greg Land thing? Yes. Oh, yeah. He's the photo yeah. referencer guy that like you can look it up and find the picture of Freddie Prince Jr. that he drew or whatever. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's just usually, it's... Th- yeah. Usually, I thought it was pictures of actual people, not just repeating his own work. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm. I mean, I'm. I am ninety percent positive that I've seen a couple of these panels in a comic before. Yeah. I don't know for positive it's Weapon X, but I have seen this yeah. saber tooth before. <laughs> Me too. When that that second whatever full page, uh, the where Wolverine's jumping down on saber tooth, I was like, I've seen this before. I know I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, we don't need to spend an entire podcast ranting about. <laughs> I guess <laughs> every, no. every panel that's exactly the same as something else, but. Oh. Yeah, um, the second story by Saladin Ahmed and um, who's the artist? And uh, Kev Walker. That that was a decent story. You know, it had arcade in it, and I'm I'm a sucker for an arcade story because he was the villain in the very first X Men comic I ever read. Oh. So, and the first time I ever saw Captain Britain and Marvel team up was also the X- arcade was the villain. So I, I like. Yeah, I didn't think that that was a bad story. I thought that one was fine, but I keep forgetting that it was in here until I open every time I open <laughs> it up to flip through to talk about it. Oh yeah, there was that story too. Like it wasn't bad, but it didn't. Yeah, stand yeah. out. No, I, I, 
for me, it only stands out because of Arcade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the last story. What did you think of the last story, Colette, the Chris, Chris Claremont? Um, I liked it the best of the three, for sure. I still... Uh, it felt like it either needed a little longer to flush it out or just... I don't know. I also just kept getting really thrown off by what they chose to do gray tones on and shade and what was left Mm. as blank. And I don't know. I don't think any of these are artists that should be in black and white. It hurt. Well, maybe the middle one. I don't know. I was very under enthused by uh, by this whole thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I I think I was more enthused just by getting to see Wolverine you know, Logan and Kitty in an adventure again mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with Krakoa or anything. Um, Cause I just love that team. But yeah, the Salvador La Roca art, it's, you know, he's good, but yeah, in black and white, I'd rather see him in color too. It's just so bizarre to me that like, it seems like of these first two issues that have come out, all of them are artists that, that are just their normal house artists and they've just taken the colors off. And the third issue, at least at looking at the people that were going to be in it, it seemed like there was some artists that would benefit from being in black and white. But the like, just sort of the the direction behind this book kind of confuses me because it's it's not really showcasing unique artists whose style might benefit from being in black and white. It's just kind of like all the same old Marvel artists except without color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty different from say I don't know the Batman black and white that seems to be trying at least to to really showcase unique art in black and white. What do you guys give it? Uh, I would give this one, geez, a five. Yeah, I'm going to go five. Uh, you guys both just went from like gooey town. Like, <laughs> Roman gave out like a couple gooeys. Colette gave out at least one to like a double five, like a collective gooey. I love it. Maybe if we'd talked about it before, we were reminded how much we loved all those other comics. Yeah. <laughs> we would have been six or five and a half, but yeah. Um, man, that was forgettable. I'm going to power through two books really quickly that just I read. I read Psychodrama Illustrated number three by Gilbert Hernandez on the topic of books that make you feel cool because you feel like you're the only one that's reading it. This feels a little bit like that, but also the exact opposite because you know that Gilbert Hernandez is one of the Hernandez bros and they are one of the most like influential underground comic artists ever. So this is, you know, cult following thing, but the first two issues were about this actress who has these enormous breasts who's like 50 and she's in all these movies and it's just kind of a weird analysis of like a person within film and then out of nowhere issue number three and issue number four will be about this weird little town it's called little ones but it's most mostly focusing on a hispanic community on the edge of the border and them all dealing with and having conversations about how they feel about the fact that the government wants to build a wall and who's going to be building that wall and what the benefit of it is for. And there's Hispanic people within this community that are like, oh shit, well, I haven't been able to get work. So they're going to hire us to make this wall. And then the family discussions about, okay, but you're building this wall and like our, it's keeping people of our, our, our nationality out, you know, and it's, it's a, I was totally surprised by what this was because it is not at all what issues one and two were. And Django and I have been reading it because it's just a weird, absurdist thing. And then this became a very uh, heartwarming thing. And I know that Love and Rockets were Gilbert and Jaime kind of trading off who was writing which stories at which time. And they all just sort of focused on small stories about people. And this feels like it's doing what Love and Rockets 
was did which is you know just kind of jump from narrative to narrative but it's of that like amazing daniel Klaus art style like the heavy black inks and the interesting shading and like the macabre surreal backgrounds really interesting um and just an interesting conversation to have show up in a comic book i would give that one an eight but you know it's also falls into that just like uh, it, it feels very unique and it feels like you're alone reading. It kind of reminds you of when you grow up alone in a town without people that have the same interests as you. And then um, my other one that I want to talk about briefly, as brief as I can, is Dark Knight's Death Metal number six, the penultimate chapter of the huge DC story that is leading into future state and ultimately the omniverse, which is breaking down strict ideas of what continuity is. And gosh, it's God Snyder. For as much as I felt like, you know, you're a drug addled teen who's making me drive around in his car and like do drug deals with him just cause I'm trying to get some free pot. Um, <laughs> you're also able to like pack some heart in there. So while I would say that the, the justification for all of this stuff is tenuous at best for justifying, um, you know, future state and the introduction of the omniverse, you're still able, like, while I think the narrative structure of it seems pretty wanting, Scott Snyder can throw a heart bomb into things really effectively. And he, he does that really well here. Um, you know, the bad guys made 52 bad multiverses. The 52 good multiverses are like trying to team up even though they're getting ravaged and they're on Themyscira and there's a big battle happening. And because there's all these different multiverses that are sort of joining together on forces of good versus bad, there's, there's sort of the realization that like all things have happened, like all different universes are this one universe that we're dealing with right now. And that seems to be kind of the justification for the Omniverse. I can get down with that. You know, I don't need all the like Batman who laugh and all that stuff. But I think that this is, I'm glad there's a strong heart punch in it. Because if it had all just been like seeding and threading this weird story that doesn't seem to be anchored in DC history and more just like, look at what I'm doing. Um, I'm really glad that Scott Snyder is able to like still just throw some heart, heart feelings in there. So I'm excited to see where dark Knights death metal seven ends the whole thing. But um, you know, it's pretty good for a book that you feel inclined to be skimming and then also get caught up like reading the dialogue. So I, I would give that one a 7.5. Like, I don't really know. I can't even remember what we've been giving that book, but it's just like, here's a book I'm reading that I feel like I'm, I have to get out of this abusive relationship with DC editorial, but they, you know, they're able to do, do some good stuff sometimes. So those are my, my two little hotshot book things there. Colette. Yes. A new writer is on new mutants and Rod Reese is still on it, which is rad. How is Vita doing on this? I, um, this was really refreshing. I mind you, I, I missed all of, uh, X, Ten of Swords. I haven't actually read that yet. This is the first post book that. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's a sidetrack. But um, this was sweet. So, did you like Ten of Swords? Let's just hang. You know, what did you think? Let's just decompress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. I just really felt like it was a. De- yeah. Um, Ten was the perfect number of swords. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I in theory intend to read all of it, but uh, you know time intentions whatever uh this so it starts off with a letter from uh the well it sorry starts off starts off with um the shadow king's origin back in uh in egypt yeah roman's very happy um (laughs) just a few pages of uh 
of the Shadow King. And then it jumps into um, a letter from uh, Danny Moonstar and Rain and uh, Warpath and um, uh, Magic and uh, to the Quiet Council saying, we've got a bunch of kids that are aimless and causing havoc and you guys should be doing something about it. And uh, Xavier writes them back saying, oh, thanks for offering to uh, take that on. Go ahead and start a school. <laughs> um, Go ahead and start a Charles Xavier's solution to everything. Just start a school. Yeah, yeah. You. Oh, I love that you guys will be the teachers. Go have fun with that. Um, One of the reasons I love that is because until reading those two letters, I was like, oh, yeah, why didn't it occur to me? Why don't they have a school? That's always been the the point of the X-Men, the school. <laughs> yeah, I always just kind of assumed that there were lessons going on and stuff happening, but <laughs> but not yet. So Yeah, they're just all hanging out. <laughs> so and it just kind of starts with, you know, uh you've got Karma and and uh and Danny sitting talking cuz Karma's been having really bad nightmares and um and just kind of that good old new mutants banter <laughs> in their house and then it leads to them teaching a group of younger mutants including gabby is finally showing i see back honey up, badger which i, which I can't wait happy. can't wait to read this issue um and it's just kind of you know two teams of the youngins are supposed to fight and then the the teachers show how it's done and it it was fun and light with some heartfelt moments and then leads to some creepy shadow king stuff at the end you kind of forget that he was right in the beginning and ooh, shadow king's on Krakoa. yeah um, i'm so excited by that i am too i didn't realize this was a shadow king thing and now you're saying it and i can't yeah. wait to read this love yeah the shadow i didn't king. either and this it, it feels like a big divergence from all of the other um dawn of x books that have come out and in a, a very fresh and light way there's some things about vidaiala's writing that i i don't love in the structure of the storytelling it's little stuff though this was as an x-men fan this was great thank you for putting it out there <laughs> yeah yeah the um that was a great summation too um rod, rod rice reese rice yeah um his artwork it's so great because it's it's just reminiscent enough of Sienkiewicz yeah. that it it brought me back to you know reading those comics in the eighties or whenever it was that came out and there's the great moments he brings back the thing that uh, Warlock the alien Warlock used to do where he'll like he shows up behind different characters imitating them and, you know making caricatures of their faces and mm -hmm. no one mentions it in in story it's just something he does <laughs> to entertain himself <laughs> but nobody reacts i love that <laughs> yeah i i'm excited for children of the atom by vita ayala because they're writing like I, I don't i don't dislike their writing so i'm excited I, like this whole issue is skimming through it looks like it's it's going to be fantastic i i i read some uh some Django books instead of my X-Men books this week. And I'll, I'll get to those, uh, my, my X-Men books in a, in a day or two, but it does yeah. look fantastic. I love, I, I didn't love the Brisson issues of new mutants. So this looks like uh, I hope that Vita stays on. Yeah, me too. I've never, I mean, I'm just not a big Brisson fan in general. I, I, he's, he should be writing comics. They're not necessarily for me. <laughs> what are your scores for it? Lovelies. Um, geez. I'm, I'll, 
I'm going to give it a, I think an eight and a half. No, a nine. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there was a couple like little plot things and like I didn't really care about like kind of the main pseudo conflict in the middle of the issue but I, there was so much about it I love just on the, the side character stuff and everything yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go eight and a half on it yeah I really enjoyed it it's good and happiness Colette before we invite our special guest in here yeah you and I have to talk about something bizarre okay solid blood number 17 oh yes I assume you read issues one through 16 right I have been devouring issues one through 16. I, uh, I don't know how I can't find anybody else who's reading it to talk to about it. Um, so you're from the same reality this issue came from. Yeah, where they spell Berenstein Bears with an E instead of an A. Or Did they do that in this issue? Or are you just referencing that weird cultural phenomenon we all realized? Oh, probably the best part about this was the fake letters I... page at the end. And there's a whole bit about... Um, the there's a theory of that there's connected universes and it's based on or they call it like the children's book effect or something like that yes. because there are people that swear that the books that they read as a kid it was Berenstein Bears spelled a different yeah. way and yeah I only read the uh, the first several paragraphs in the thing that he wrote I didn't read the fake letters I just read the the first half which was his like kind of thing about it but for background for everybody solid blood two weeks ago retailers started seeing that on the invoice that was going to be showing up in two weeks was a thing called solid blood 17 no one knew what it was there was no record of it in diamond where we ordered the comics um it we didn't know anything about it so people started trying to figure out what this mystery was you know um chip zadarsky i think we had reason to believe it was an image book because the series code like the stock code was tied to was in a field where it was close to some other image books and robert kirkman has done stuff like this in the past people are thinking maybe it's like related to Stillwater, chip zadarsky's book because the opposite of Stillwater is like maybe solid blood it's just a, a that there was all sorts of weird uh speculation online about it and it's of course none of those things this is just for whatever reason Robert Kirkman wanted to write a single issue with Ryan Otley, who did Invincible, and have it be a story from a different world where he was writing Walking Dead and it was canceled and he was, you know, and a couple other things were canceled and he's never had a 25 issue series before. And it is bizarre. And they sent them for free to stores matching their order numbers for firepower which is a book that i love so i've been ordering like four more than i should because we haven't been selling as much as i would like um but they match those which is cool and we ended up giving them out for free to the people who had asked for them before anyone knew anything so we had a couple subscribers who were like what is this can i get it so we just gave it to them um but it's actually become kind of a pricey little issue Talk about a 90s image comic. Oh, man. This thing was so fun. Yeah. (laughs) So I, uh, the um, death metal issue, I actually took that home. I haven't read any of those, but I brought one home because I was like, oh, I can read a random issue. And I got like three pages in and I was like, I can't follow the story moving forward in this because there's too much that I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm that's just, you have to know. And this is such a perfect example of how, we used to pick up comics and you would just get a random one from a series and it should be written in a way that you don't know what happened, but, but you can tell how it's moving forward and you can pick up stuff as you're going along. And That's a very good point. This does that very well. Yeah. I, th- 
I had so much fun reading this thing. <laughs> it's and it's a really weird, cool, just little bit of comic history. Like this yeah. thing, it's not super available. Um, Roman, we ran at him, but I'll make sure you get to read mine because I'm, I uh, it, it's printed on like paper stock, like '90s paper stock, like not the glossy stuff, but it's like all, it looks like Spawn and chains, like it's meant to just look like your average '90s comic. But yeah, there's just something about it that is so charming. Yep. I want to be reading this series. Like, I want it <laughs> to be a whole thing to be reading. It's, it's that nostalgia throwback, but it's not heavy handed. It's just that perfect lightness that you need for a nostalgia book that's still fun to read, but without it being like, yes. Oh, it's all about how great things were back right. then. Like, is it about a like one main character, or is it a team? It's it's like if you dropped in. It actually like the last page they do one of those coming up like X Men S splash pages, and oh, it's yeah. got very much that like you've got a team, but they've all been kind of divided up, and they're all on their different missions. And this is mm. like the issue before the end of the story arc where something big just happened in the last one and now we're seeing how everybody's gonna figure out the problem that they're in and it jumps around and it's like a really nice blend of invincible and then like young blood or like wild cats like it's it's very like it has the feeling because of Otley and Kirkman that like invincible and like space politics and some like warring family things and a bloodline and then also just like giant swords and chains and ex- like excessive violence. It and you, like that's what Kirkman came up in, you know. Like so, he's just I think he's just having fun. It's got like fake ads. The whole thing, like w- once they finally said something, it's like it's a it's a book that is from a different reality where there was too many shelf copies of it, and somehow the Im- <laughs> like there was a portal between that reality's image and our image and a bunch of these extra books sleep- seeped into our reality. So they're giving them out. And I just think that that is fucking cool. Yeah. This was a lovely Christmas present to yeah. comic shops around the world. Jared read it too. And he was like, yeah, it was like getting my hands on Wildstorm books back yeah. in the day. Like- <laughs> I think just for the, the sheer fun of it, it's like an 8.5. And I just think for like the execution of putting it out, I think like a 9.5. I love it. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, just that this exists and how well it was done for such a just a for fun thing. I, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna gooey duck this fucker. No <laughs> fucking way are you gonna gooey duck this fuck. Oh. I love everything about this book. It's amazing. Oh. I also feel like I have to balance out the last two episodes I was on. I was very negative and cranky about everything. Oh, that's so, just Jeff every other day. I know, but it's, I mean, that's what I love about you. But yeah, oh. no, I, I, it was, it was great. I loved it. I'm sweet. sweet. Yeah. What was it called again? Solid Blood 17. Solid blood, okay. It's not even like, it's not even like it's uh, in a, like a number one or something. It's like, bam. Um, hey guys while we wait for our awesome friend who i just sent an invite to to this convo i just want to talk briefly about post americana um, by steve scrochi written and drawn by and uh it is a book that i read because it is um obviously a django book and i was excited to talk to him about it because it's one of those things that i know he would like more than me and hey andrew holy shit 
at the exact same time, out of nowhere, oh, Django showed up right as I was throwing shade on him. <laughs> so let's just pretend this was planned, which it wasn't, because Django was only maybe going to show up. And um, and I'll continue saying what I was saying, which was um, I read Post Americana by Steve Scrochi because it was obviously a Django book, and oh, yeah. I know I know that it's the kind of thing that I like um checking out but don't generally like as much as Django so I was you know not looking forward to being the only person that talked about post americana and then out of nowhere Django showed up like a like a the white knight riots himself um that was probably poor taste but it's a reference I didn't understand it when you guys were talking about it earlier um but I heard it and I said it hey Django hey buddy Hey, everybody. It's, it's so nice to see you. <laughs> it's nice we, to be here. It's warm in this room. You guys turn the heat on? I did. We've been uh, I mean, I'm here. turning up the love. <laughs> we were just talking about Colette's dope-ass abs, actually. Nice. Um, oh, go ahead. Um, Get me like, this. You know, Already. we got some... There's, uh, there's some tens. I think Barbalian got some tens. Mm, I think... Wow. Um, I think Second Coming got some tens. I think I just, Solid... Did, I know Solid Blood got a ten from Colette. Um, wow yeah i'm so glad that colette was on for this uh barbalian issue because i thought of her a lot when i was reading it yeah 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 and i loved hearing you the two of you talk about it and also colette just talking about growing up on capitol hill and how close it is to her but we're here for post americana you motherfucker you missed the beginning i don't need i don't <laughs> owe you crotchy. anything Scrooge. um i think this is really good i think this is really good but I don't really like post-apocalyptic stories. I think that I like post-apocalyptic stories, but I think what I've realized is that I don't know that I do super love them. So I would give this a high score, like a high score, and then probably not read the second issue. So do better than me on that. Yeah, I I thought it was, it, it made me think of uh, Jeff Darrow a lot while mm -hmm. I was reading it. And I just love this guy's art. Me too. The the Maestro stuff that he did for Image, his, his five-issue series, that was beautiful. This has a real similar vibe. Um, I don't want to say quietly-ish, but he's he kind of approaches that in detail for me. <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, the story, whatever. The end, the last page, where suddenly we're in the crossed universe and cannibals have made clothes out of people's faces on their Not crotches. Not enough scrotums. Like, Not enough scrotums. If it was yeah. crossed, there would be more scrotum masks. Listen, scrochy, we need more scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it is a great, you know, it's it's got some elements of undiscovered country in it. It's got some elements of crossed in it. It's got some elements of we stand on guard in it, which he was involved in. It's like all of these things. And the art is ultimately like, I love his art. I love his ink line. Like that, this yeah. style, like the, it's very Darrow. I totally agree with the quietly thing. Um, yeah, I, I love the art style. You can um, smell the art. I was just thinking book. about how much I could smell the art. I was thinking about like, do you smell that? That's got to be Django. Oh no, it's the art. It's, you know, there's like America wants to foster. So it's built this like in a cave, in a mountain civilization, but some bad guys have taken over it. So some, some renegade people blow them all up. And there's this awesome lady in a town where she saves this guy and kills a bunch of other guys. And then he saves her and they're probably going to go get to this mountain and kind of take it over for their own, own community but it's just so gross and gooey and bloody and smelly and like the the art is why I would keep going with it. But it yeah. um, 
you know, anytime I've come face to face with one of these like post-apocalyptic stories, I end up kind of, it's, it's, I don't know. It's not, it's not, I, I think it's really good. It's just not my cup of tea. I, I would give this one like an 8.5. I do think, I do think it's a really nice package. It's almost like Steve Lieber was involved. I, I would give it an eight and a half also. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Give it, give it the old Lieber Rooney. Andrew Carlson. Welcome to the show. Friend of the show. Happy to have you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Very good. I don't know if Colette knows about Andrew Carlson's continuity corner. Is it's that the decided name? Yeah, that's the name, Carlson's Continuity Corner. Okay, so as so as the host fun. as the host of Carlson's Continuity Corner, do you want to tell her what we're about to do? Because he's he's made a list that involves Colette. Oh. <laughs> um, I gather scores from uh, the podcasts that you've given all of you, um, and I ask, I give you the title of the book, maybe a little description to help jog your memory, um, and you tell me what you think you scored on it. Oh shit! And I, the person with the lowest score at the end, wins. Like, like, <laughs> like the person who has the lowest abs. Like, if if I say I think I gave it a seven point five, and Andrew's like, you gave it a six. Now I have one and a half because uh-huh, I was okay. off by one. So the absolute value at the end is the winner. So glad Django showed up um, <laughs> because I'm only half a man without him. And, and we we changed the name of it. I thought it was Andrew ambushes the gang. Oh. But no, we love Andrew. Andrew does that, that sounds like a episode of Always Sunny. Yeah. I feel, I feel like he was waiting for me after school and I just <laughs> I just turned the corner and there's Andrew with these well, scores. Dude, we let we let Andrew into the the Zoom call like 30 seconds before like it said admit Andrew and I clicked it and it said admit Django, but it actually said Jeff Figley. Hey Django. Wow. Yeah. Do you uh Oh, you already got the joke. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> on the pod I, I, you know like an hour ago i planted the bio. i was like hey everybody i'm on Django's account so i've changed my name to small penis so that when Django gets on <laughs> he'll have to be real quick about it and he already changed his name to big penis which is my account so i and and how it was um, fast i i noticed it almost as soon as i got and it was changed <sighs> to big penis within a minute oh <laughs> wait and wait let's <laughs> his biggest penis and romans his penis to milo i didn't see any of that and Which listen, is obviously an ecstatics reference. We all owe Zoom a debt of gratitude for resetting your name every time you log into a new <laughs> Zoom Only call. if you click the box. <laughs> it doesn't oh, always. Oh, really? Yeah, like Emily Kubiak in the book club oh, sometimes true. has shown up with her other, other names. Well, the next professional thing we both do together, Jeff, I hope we've remember, remembered to swap oh, our names. Oh, it's those penis guys. <laughs> um, plug for the book club. Just mentioned it. I've mentioned it a couple other times, cut it out because it came at the end and it was a very fractured um, thing. We do a book club. Everyone in this podcast has been a part of it or is actively a part of it, including Andrew Carlson, friend of the show. It's Fox. a very fun, um, kind of incredibly, fun, incredibly rewarding thing that we do every two weeks. And um, on Monday, the day that this podcast goes up, we will be doing Claws. So if you're listening to this podcast on a Monday and you don't know about that book club, Send us an email or Facebook message or something. We'll get you into this book club. You can show up without having red claws. You can just hang out. It's like 10 or 11 wonderful people who just like talking about comics in a friendly way with one another. And uh, it's, you know, we started at the beginning of the pandemic. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Andrew Carlson, take it away, you. The Alex Trebek of our times. Ah, where do I want to start? I've got, a, I've got six where all four of you guys scored them. 
Oh. Wow. Um, let's let's start with Strange Adventures number four. Yeah, Strange Adventures okay. number four. That is really recent. It is. I, I pulled a few recent ones because four. Django Django was saying that he doesn't remember scores from recently, and I kind of wanted to test that. I can tell you for sure that this may as well have been two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't help. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was pre-pandemic. I'm pretty sure most of these issues were pre-pandemic. Well, I can tell you for sure. I don't even know what the newest issue of Stranger, Strange Adventures was. And I think it came out last week. It was seven. I seven? bet I gave it an eight. I'll bet I gave it an eight. Uh, I don't, I'll go with a 7.5. I don't remember. Can we do decimals? Yeah. Yeah, we have. Okay, okay. You've been doing them for two years, buddy. Three years. I mean for Andrew's segment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jeff does ranges, and I turned it into Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Please. He's not the only one. Number four, the one where Mr. Terrific went to uh, Ran and was investigating, and then they were... Okay. Um, I haven't done that many episodes, so it's easier for me to remember which (laughs) ones I was talking about. Uh... Uh, did I give it a nine? Okay. Oh, crap. Now, now that Colette's reminded me what the story was, I really did like that issue. Now I want to change mine. I, I haven't spoken yet, so oh, I, oh, uh, I, we're welcome. I, I say eight point five. If that was the issue, yeah, I'm gonna say I gave it. A, I gave it a, a nine, probably. Okay. Jeff changed to eight point five. All right, Django. Do you want to change? <laughs> Just 8.5. Nice. You're going to change to 8.5 I'm just riding well. that fig leader tonight. Yeah. You're riding the fig. <laughs> the fig um, All right. So Ooh. you guys just wowed the shit out of me because the only person who was off was Django, and he was only off by half a point. <sighs> so so all nice. at zero except for Django, who's got 0. 0.5. Yeah, hey, you don't have Django to rub it, it already. Eight, 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 eight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry for rubbing it. I'm sorry. Django, Colette, and Roman all gave it a nine, and then Jeff gave it an eight and a half. Nice. Wow. Pretty, okay. Pretty good start, guys. Nice I'm work, excited. Colette. You're good at this. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Hundred percent track record so far. Let's see if I can keep it up. <laughs> um, firepower number one. Kirk Insomni. Oh. And this will be. This is interesting too because you all had different yeah. portions of the book read at this point, and you included yeah. that in your score. I'm gonna say I gave it a seven and a half. Seems like a perfectly acceptable comic to me at that point. And I'm gonna say, oh shit, I gave it a, either a nine or a ten. I'm gonna say a, oh, oh, I'm gonna say nine and a half. Roman, you know you gave it a ten. Did I? Did I give it? I'll, I'll I say know. ten. Okay. I have no. Oh God! No, it's <laughs> oh, my nice. fault. Berg, Django. Yep, yep. It's all on Django. <laughs> I think I gave it a seven point five or an eight. I'm gonna say I gave it an eight because I know I fucking love it now. I give it. I get every of it. I You're like, it. I'm gonna lean on the good side. Yeah, like feeling optimistic. Four is like one of my favorite issues that's come out. <laughs> Sorry. You're good. No, I, it's good. I, I can cut it's, audio out. It's good. very easy to find moments of silence. 
no need just a little <laughs> no there's the bad part is when Django talks and then he's talking confidently has an idea but like the further he gets into the idea that he just like you know like it gets a little bit more personal and it's a thought that he has <laughs> and he doesn't know for sure exactly but I think that like this is probably the most like I, this is my thoughtful end of the idea but when he does that the waves disappear <laughs> so it looks like there's silence but there's not and it, I just really like making all of you kind of lean in and try to listen a little closer what's he saying I think it means something <laughs> um, I'm gonna say I gave it a seven and a half. Okay, seven and a half twins, Colette. <laughs> Django, you gave it a seven, so you're point five uh, high, I think. Not too bad. Bringing his score to one point oh. Yeah, Jeff, you gave it an eight. Oh, still at zero. Oh, I'm feeling powerful Ooh. in this sub degree. You're feeling that fire. <laughs> Uh, Colette, you gave it a six and a half, so you're just oh, one off. Shit. Okay. You tied with you like it that much. It was the genre for you, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I mean, Roman, I haven't read any more of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair. Roman, you ranged this one, so it didn't matter matter whether you scored nine and a half or ten. It was a nine point seven five or point two five. Oh, nice. <laughs> I wonder what the what the docking of a quarter point was. And also yeah. what our alternate reality kick fighter reviews were. Solid blood reference, my man. Solid Bingo. blood. Yeah. Book number three. Um, Folklords number one. Oh, I remember that Matt night. Kent, right? I'm pretty sure it was Matt Kent. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, I think I gave it a seven. I'm going to go 7.5. I don't I either gave it a four or like an eight, I think. I like the wow. map on the back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say seven. Yeah, I think seven, six and a half or seven, seven. Okay, okay. Uh, Jeff, you are one off. You gave it an eight and a half. Did you finish uh, that series? Did you no. even read number two? I read number two. Okay. <laughs> Although while we were just talking about it, I did think we were talking about wind. So, um, <laughs> but they That's both totally came fair. out and felt very similar to me. So, okay, yeah. but I, I'll take it. Uh, Django, you gave it a seven, so you were right on the dot. Oh, you're so oh, good. Yeah. You're so I'm a good. fucking robot. You're so good. Colette, you gave it a seven and a half, so you're point five off. Oh, okay. Okay, oh. okay. Roman, you gave it an eight and a half, so you liked it a lot more than you thought you did. <laughs> You're one and a half off. All right. Putting um, Roman at 1.75, Colette at 1.5, and Django and Jeff at one. I like the idea of pudding Roman. I like pudding Roman, too. <laughs> it's hairy, though. Is it banana pudding? <laughs> no, that's a probably. That's a reference to Second Coming. Oh, and Penis de Milo. <laughs> oh nice which is a reference to ecstatics right yeah wow but that i don't that remember layers layers like an onion <laughs> there's the, one of, of the main characters was venus de milo speaking of layers uh the layers of the x-men fantastic four universe colliding in the first issue chip Zdarsky, terry dodson terry, the dodsons i think i gave it like a nine like a high, like it was like one of my favorite of the Dawn of X number ones. Is the X Men Fantastic Four? X Men Fantastic Four number one. But I gave it a seven. God, I don't remember because I really didn't like the art, but I liked the story. Uh, 
7.5. Yeah, man. Uh, I know I liked one of the issues more than the other issues, but I don't know which issue it was. And yeah, I didn't care for the art either. Oh, boy. I think this was the series with the Q-tip read by the end. <laughs> yeah, it's the one where they were fighting over who's going to get get Franklin to live with them. Yeah. Um, where they had three inkers for one issue of a comic. Oh, oh, oh yeah, my god! Basically, somebody si- say Simon, Simon right Simon. now. I, I bet I gave it a seven, maybe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Roman, you were 0.5 off. You gave it a six and a half. That's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. You didn't like it that much. Correct. Colette, you were right on the money. Oh, nice one, Colette. This is 7.5. Jeff, you gave it an eight. Okay, so I'm one off. One off, one off. Uh, Django, you gave it a 7.x, so you're (laughs) 0.x off. Nice. We'll call that a zero. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out in the end game. That's a tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah, it's just if Jeff feels like he's losing and wants to take Django down. <laughs> X can be whatever Jeff says. Exactly. <laughs> I am algebra. <laughs> now we're taking a massive trip back to yes. Colette's first uh, real recording on the oh, podcast, yes. episode forty. Uh, nine, I think. God. Took a long time. So Sorry, it's a long it's, baby it, ago. It was pre-baby. This is three all, years. Yeah. Yeah. No. Ask Badlands number one hundred. <laughs> this is the episode I re-listened to today, so I could give you the most context on these issues because I haven't read either of them. Um, Southern Bastards number eight. Which one was that? Probably a 10. I gave it a 10. (laughs) I think I probably gave it a 10. Or a 9.5. But yeah, probably a 10 for me. What issue was it, though? (laughs) You know. 17. I'm forgetting. It was earlier no. in the day. 18. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it was a Southern Bastards. Who, who yeah, knows? Yeah, it was a Southern yeah. Bastards. It was a 9.5 oh, or a 10. What were the last, like, two, like, we've only had, like, Gut two. Gut check, part four. Roberta Tubbs' entire life has prepared her for this moment. How far is she willing to go to avenge her daddy? It was, uh, it was Latour and Brunner. Uh, Aaron, I don't think, was Was that the, the one with, like, the oh, flashback of the dad and the daughter coming out and, like, him? I think so. That sounds, that sounds right. I bet it was yeah. a 10. I'll bet it was a, an eight. Um, it was a Latour issue. Uh, yeah, fuck it. It's, I, I'm just going to go with 10. That, that, yeah, sure. It's the safe bet. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never not adored an issue of that comic, so. And Roman, what do oh, you think? Um, I bet I gave it an, at least a 9.5. Okay, okay. Every oh no! Sing- I didn't never give anything tens back then. Oh, do you want to change your you score didn't? before I? Before I tell you. I think I gave it a nine point five because it took me a really long time before I gave anything a ten, if I remember correctly. Andrew, you can correct me on that when we're done with this. <laughs> but not publicly. <laughs> no, you can go publicly. Every single one of you scored it as a nine. Interesting. So. I'm off by Django one. Django and Jeff are off by one, and Colette and Roman are off by 0.5. Colette would have been off by one, but then got a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> was was that the last one? Oh, I don't think I ever did. Nope, one more. Okay. One more. Okay. Uh, 
this one's going to be really weird. Really I weird. I love it. Weird. <laughs> Marvel Legacy number one. Oh. So it was that? them sell. It was the beginning of. It was after All New, All Different when they were starting their like legacy numbering and all that. So Jason Aaron came on. It was the return of Wolverine. Um, <laughs> I don't. It was that one that we got a million of right before Moonbase. Not the one thousand, like Marvel one thousand, right? No, no, no. That was that was last year. Cover. It's yeah. It did. Yep. It yeah. It had um. There was a a star brand is that who it is yep. story yeah. it was like yep. it introduced aaron's whole thing of that there was a celestial dead inside of the planet yep and it, it was just a lot little of the current story lips of was it like a a rap cover yeah yeah it was like red with, art maybe maybe oh i see it, it. Yep. okay i, I had, had like, to the cover but yeah it yeah. was a shitty cover because it was a rap yeah yeah um, oh, but I gave it a six, and that's me feeling a little bit generous right now. Boy, I have. I'm sure I must have read it, and it was a thing, but I have no memory of it. So I'll give it a five. <laughs> I gave it a. I, I'll say a seven. Rome, right or fuck, it. Andrew. This is a really good final one because no, it was just a tough like, one. The last two, I was like, wrong I have, by to, I have to pull it from Colette's first episode. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> it would be so good. I I think I probably gave it a seven and a half or an eight just because I was so excited that my dad was coming back to life. Um, you got to get it somewhere when you can. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, seven and a half. Eight. Eight. Let's go with eight. Sure. Okay. Okay. Whatever. It wasn't very good, but <laughs> I don't even remember how we came back. Roman, you gave it a seven point seven. Oh, seven points. He gave it a seven point seven. I don't. I don't know why he was feeling. Hey, what did he seven? He thought he, he was gave just it a five. Yeah, he thought he gave yeah, it a five. I, I so have no two point two. Yeah, I have no memory of this comic at all. You were just fucking future Roman. Can't, out can't of a even, point, can't even the picture the cover you guys are describing. It's it's bad. Yeah. Um, Colette, you gave it an eight and a half. You oh. did. You absolutely fucking loved that. Uh, what did she think she gave back. it? Eight. eight. So 0.5 off. Oh, pretty, that, pretty Colette, dang that's, close. That's really good. You are looking My way better than was Roman. Back, and it was before they actually did shitty things with bringing him back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah exact, those exact sentiments were made. Uh, Jeff, you did give it a seven. I know, right? I'm so proud of My you. duck face, but I made a big duck face about that. He's figgling the lightning. Oh, Django what? rides the lightning. This is, this is a hard one because J- this is early enough in the podcast where Django was like, fuck it. I don't want to, f- I didn't want to give this a score. <laughs> so in my book, that's a zero. <laughs> but he also said if i were a marvel fan this is the score i would have given it <laughs> so Dang. you're either 7.5 off or you're 1.5 off let's give him the 1.5 and we'll call that the x from earlier <laughs> and well okay mr algebra what was uh what was my score 7.5. 7.5. You said if it was a, if you were a Marvel fan, it would have been a 7.5. But you that, refused to give it a score. Yeah. 
Um, I don't do well with uh, binaries, like black and white. <laughs> like, like I, I need Marvel fan, not a Marvel fan. Yep, yep, none of that for me. Thanks very much. I need I mean, to it, qualify everything I do. I mean, in fairness, it wasn't a comic meant to be a story to sit down and enjoy. It was a story to get you to buy other stories right. that they were going to yeah. put out. Like. Yeah, it should so, have been a free issue. Yeah. So, Andrew, did Not you 10. tally these scores up? Do you want? I, I'm looking at my scores tallied up here, and uh, I can announce it. But this is your show. I I don't even have to finish doing the math. It's unfortunate. Um, Colette, you win. You Woo! win. Yeah. <laughs> I used to only be on every once in a while. <laughs> um. And before we go, I actually do have three quick duck, duck, gooey ducks for y'all. Okay, well, just a second. I think it's important to mention that I was only 0.5 behind. And then okay. Jacob was only 0.5 behind that. And then Roman, so Colette's winning score was 2.5. And Roman's losing score was 4.7. Yeah. Mm, it was so. more like 4.95. Because was it, was it? The seven, it was a 2.7 and then the 0.25. I believe it. I... I your Roman man. had a bunch of weird scores this time. I mean, time. also, Roman, if you want to feel better about yourself, we could give me that negative seven and a half points <laughs> that uh, past Django fucked current Django with. No, I'm, what I'm, is, I'm fine with it. If you're going to lose, lose big, I say. Basically, oh, at everything point. about him is big. J- or Andrew, can you please remember? I'm so bad at names. It's getting worse. Maybe that's being older. It's the pandemic. I don't know. But Andrew, can you please explain the rules? What is Duck Duck, duck Gooey Duck? So I'm going to give you a list of four titles for each of these three questions. You are going to have to pick which one Roman dropped the gooey on. Oh. <laughs> so it's multiple I love choice. This. I love this. Um, between Fantastic Four, Grim Noir, Savage Avengers number zero, which was the one with the reprints, uh, Once in Future number one, King Arthur story, and Doctor Strange number 20, Mark Wade. End of Mark Wade's run before he restarted it. And only one of those is a gooey duck? Only one of I know them that, is a gooey Andrew, duck. Andrew, that is so keenly dialed in to Roman because <laughs> all of them could be. But I think I'm going to say the final one, even though I forget what the first one was, but that one also had a strong Roman. I can, I can list them again really quick. Yeah, one more if you don't mind. Fantastic Four, Grim Noir. Ah, uh, no, no. Savage Avengers, number zero. Yeah. Once in Future, number one. Doctor Strange, number 20. I'm going to say number four, but I, I, I think number one has a strong runner-up chance. I was going to say number one. Yeah. It was number one. I was on that episode. With okay, him. all right. I don't, well, I don't know for sure, but I think... I feel bad, but I'll hold the number four so I don't be that guy that changes it with other people's certainty. Roman, do you remember? The one that's right. <laughs> What was number one? The Kletz shirt? Grim, Grim Fantastic Noir. Four, Grim, Grim Noir. Noir. I was thinking it was either that one or Once in Future. I'm, I'm going with Grim Noir. You would be correct. It oh, yeah, it was, you're it was all Grim very Noir. good. All right, what's our next one? Uh, Conan Serpent Wars, number one. Ugh. Butcher of Paris, number one. Thor by Donny Cates, number one. And White Trees, number one. What was I'm, the oh, white trees? I don't remember what white trees is. White we, it was, was it me and you and Colette and Brayden, and we all buddied out on it alone upstairs, yeah. just being like, I love that much hot man in a comic. Yeah, it's Chris Anka art, and there was a whole like Kip fairy Zdarsky. orgy, and 
um, the the three like I think there were three like war yeah. retired warriors on a crusade to go save their children or something. It was, it was like super issues. homoerotic and rad. That, that, okay, that the, the homoeroticism that fairies that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we spent I'll, like twenty minutes talking about the giant dongs. And the I bet it was longer than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was right uh, up your alley. Dong hole. I give it a ten. <laughs> I, I, bet, I bet it was white trees. Although okay. I bet it was like a nine. I can list them all again just to yeah, refresh. Yeah, well, choices. Um, Conan Serpent Wars, number one. Butcher of Paris, number one. Thor, number one by Donny Cates. And White Trees, number one. White Trees. Romy, you go. <laughs> oh, White Trees. I'm sticking with it. Oh, okay. I'm going to say Thor. Okay. It was White Trees. Roman didn't know that he liked the Donny Cates Thor run until like four issues had come out. Like he he wrote it off and then he... the Galactus thing got me. Yeah, but that was like like issue issue five. You you weren't even reading it and then you read like four issues in one sitting. Like I think you read one and forgot. Honestly, I did the same. I read the first like six issues. I was like, oh, mainline it down. Man, these are are really good thoughts because I... I have the vaguest, haziest memory of white trees. <laughs> I saved only- the best for last. I just remember Roman, like, when, when Thor hit, it hit Roman hard. He was like, wait, this fucking book rules. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'm excited for this last one. Oh, King Thor, number one. Jason Aaron, the Sagribic. I think it was a Sagribic. Uh, Silver Surfer Black, number four. Donny Cates, Tradmore. Uh, DC's Dead Planet, number two. I think Trevor Harrison, maybe it was Carl yep. Moster. Yep. Um, and Tom Taylor. And then Spider-Man Life Story, number six. Uh, Bagley and Zdarsky. I'm going to say Deceased. I'm going to say Spider-Man Life Story. I think he gooey-ducked all of those. Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it's the, the most fun one. None of them. No, no. One of them he did. Only one. Okay, okay. Jeez, only one? Uh, That's why this is my favorite question because it's the hardest. It's the gooeyest of all the ducks. It's the hardest duck. It's the, one more time. Yes, absolutely. King Thor, number one. Silver Surfer Black, number four. Deceased Dead Planet, number two. Spider Man Life Story, number six. See, my runner up would be Silver Surfer Black, number four. But I think I've got to go with Spider-Man Life Story because it was the final one, and I do think he liked it a lot. I mean, not to be you know shoving gooey ducks down Roman's throat, but I, I think that that shoves them down your guys's throat. Yeah, every let's week, be honest. So <laughs> cuts the circulation off to our legs while he puts all that weight on the table. But I, I, I think I think that it's yeah, not Silver Surfer Black. I think it's, it's Spider-Man Life Story Six. Waiting Colette and Roman to give their answers still. I wasn't there for any of those conversations. So, uh, oh, but you know him. You I know, know him. I know. That's why I, this game is the best because we all this know guy. Roman. We notice. I'm, I'm going to say deceased number two. Was it number two? Yeah, deceased dead planet number two. I don't even know what the issue was or anything, but. Oh, it was dead planet number two? Dead planet. Oh, okay. Just a second. I think it. I think it went deceased, and then unkillables, and then dead planet. Right. Right. It did. Yeah. 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 So it, it was deceased, dead. And planet. then Moster did unkillables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So wait, if issue number two is the one where Plastic Man is in the River of Blood, it may have been that one. 
Oh, shit. Okay, I thought I was thinking yeah, it was de- Deceased number two. Right, that's what I thought. So Dead Planet is the current Deceased series, right? Right, yeah. and it's the right. series okay. with the plastic man in the water. I gotta I... stay with my gut, but I that changes things. God, I... These are so tough, and I have no idea what I did. I just, you know, spew things out there and don't pay attention. Half awake, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... Uh... Man, I'm torn between Dead Planet and Thor, King Thor. Let's go Dead Planet. It was Dead Planet because of that goddamn Plastic Man <laughs> Blood River. I, uh, I didn't hear you, you say even... Dead Planet at first, so I, I thought it was the first series, and I was like, he didn't love the first series. So Throughout that, I, I, I was trying to be low-key about that it was that particular issue. I know. Because you guys even built to it in that podcast episode. You were like... <laughs> yeah, what was your favorite part, Roman? Oh, I really like Ragman showing up. That was a great bit. Oh, oh wait, Arsenal? no, I've got Plastic Arsenal's Man. All my, my favorite face. hat wearing backwards hero out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that oh. plastic, oh. that Plastic Man River. No. Okay, yeah. so Andrew, what I need from you is ultimately we become the producer of this podcast. But after that, or before it. I need you to figure out mechanically how Duck Duck Gooey Duck is that what it's called? Yeah. I need mechanically how that works into the score of the first game. I'm thinking that Don't don't, don't do it now. Don't do it now, but for next time, have next a mechanical time. rule for how that affects the scores of the first one. That'd be fun. So it's kind of like a double jeopardy or a final jeopardy type yeah. of feel, right? Like or, it can change the score of the thing before it. Whoever scored the most in Duck, Duck, Gooey Duck, if it's different than whoever scored the most in the, I can't remember the name of the first one, maybe you've got a lightning round. And the Carlson got fun- Or like we can maybe... Can I do scores. have a couple scores extra and Django got all of them correct. Yeah. That's because Django is actually Sorry, very good. He's quietly very, very good. Listen, but listen, everyone, that was all very good, but we have Andrew here and we have one more final book to talk about. Okay. Now, Andrew, I don't want to disappoint you, but there has been a sudden spike in the number of people asking for Immortal Hulk. So, none of us have read the main Immortal Hulk book because there was none available to us. However, I did read Immortal Hulk King in Black. And and maybe Colette seems to have, and Roman, did you? Oh, yeah, I read it. Okay, and Django... It, oh, oh no! Okay. We've got a little <laughs> red reckless, but I didn't. I didn't read King and Black. We're going to talk about reckless. We're going to talk about reckless. I read it because uh, Romy told me to read it, and I'm glad he did. And what I loved is that it didn't take much reading. But what I want is for you, beautiful folks, to take the reins. Andrew, you've listened to this podcast. Take it away. Man, I don't know how you guys start things. I just kind of like, man. <laughs> no, neither do us. We're 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 in it now. No, it's it hard. was. I've been on here for years, and I still don't know how to introduce a comic. <laughs> you, well, it was a fucking great Charles issue. Dixon. Dickens. And I'm actually going to steal what Will told me. Um, so full credit to Will. Actually, I'm not stealing. I'm crediting him. Um, this was just a really wholesome Christmas story. With like a smattering of, oh, yeah, King and Black is happening, but don't think (laughs) about it. And it was a silent issue on top of that with gorgeous art. Probably my favorite of all of the like one shot extra 
fun people like the Jeff Lemire one that had come out and Great Power with uh, Tom Taylor. That one had okay art, but it was pretty standard. But this is this, Aaron Cooter. Oh, Aaron Cooter. Yeah. The the Cood Man. The Cooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can just say the Cooter because like the, his the name, Cooter. Yeah. yeah. He's doing yeah. eggs for it. Django Django loved his work on Ghost Rider, where he just yep. pulled that uh, demons that chain through the demons asshole, but. I loved his work in uh, the Dukes of Hazard. Also, Cooter. <laughs> That's probably a reference. I don't know, Andrew. I'm Cooter and Anus. The young side is, but it's really awesome because it's it's taking place in this point in Immortal Hulk where he's just he's reverted to it's just Joe Fixit and the most childlike manifestation of the Hulk. So all he's just wandering around, and he's a guy drops a gift. And he sees the gift and he's like, is it for me? And he just gets this biggest fucking grin. <laughs> and it just, it makes you smile inside when you see it. Like, oh, it's it, so it, good. It's the most joyous Hulk face mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and it happens, he gives that Multiple face a times. couple times. And it's so good. And there's some fighting with a symbiote that happens. It's pretty good art. Well, Andrew... We we do on one hand get the most joyful expression of the Hulk we've ever seen, and also one of the most disgusting transformation sequences. Disgusting. I love Joe Bennett's transformation sequences; they're incredibly visceral. But this, this one was like even more like it, organy. It took me a second to be like, "Is this the symbiotes doing something with the no? Oh God! Oh <laughs> oh God! No, that's." And That's for Django, like, I didn't kind of fully map it out, uh, Django, but if you look at Colette, she's showing this here, the top actually oh. is the human form and the green, but if you look closely at the crotch region, which I know you were about to, the oh, whole face is dis- dis- diminishing oh. into the crotch region. So what oh. he's done, Aaron Cooter has done here, is he's put, he's done a disgusting transformation sequence and then also put the Hulk's face on Bruce Banner's crotch. So I want to see Aaron Cooter... Jeff Darrow and Steve Scrochi just punch each other until there's a winner. Yeah, in the Scrochi. <laughs> in the Scrochi. <laughs> so I love how much... Okay, so I, I had to get this issue today. I had Django bring it home, and then I went and picked it up from Django's house because I also got a text message from Will Elmer. So all credit go to Will Elmer. I'm trying to get back into Immortal Hulk. We, we ran out of the main issue. So I've been reading these side issues, but... The King I'm glad Black that Man. that main series is selling out because it really fucking deserves it. It really does fucking deserve it. Um, pre-order your books, everybody. Um, but I love a Charles Dickens reference. I love Aaron Cooter's art. Um, not a shortcoming of it, but I, I was. It did take me like it does. There's an amount of it that hinges on like Joe Fix It. I had to be at the end. I was like, okay, so wait, this is Joe Fix It, but that's because I'm not reading the main series. Um, but I also think that it functions just as well. You could be like, well, it's just Bruce Banner. But I did have to like try and puzzle out, is this Bruce Banner or a different person? And does that matter? Not really, but it, it is indicated. Yeah, I was yeah. really grateful for the little blurb on the credits page giving me that info because I haven't read any of the series. And I probably would have been more confused than I was if I hadn't had that. But that little blurb is enough, so. I didn't see the blurb, Colette, so very oh. nice comic book reading. But I've been reading enough of Immortal Hulk that I did know that, like, there has been some stuck persona stuff, and I know that Joe Fixit was dominant for a while, so. 
I also like the fact that the, the title for the issue is Black Christmas, which is I take as a reference to the the uh, classic '70s horror movie Black Christmas. That was remade last year into a movie that Jeff loved and Django thought was pretty good. Yeah, and I didn't <laughs> see it. Yeah, not seen wow. either. And, and that I'll, is the three of us to a T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except yeah. for today, I gave some like lackluster scores on books. Other people, I, I try not to sound negative, but you know, like I'm not always the guy leading the charge. Andrew, Andrew, can, before we get out of this Hulk issue, um, do you want to point out a couple of? little easter eggs in the issue one of which i didn't even notice and you had to point out to me yeah two very quick things so the page where he enters the toy store and it says like mantlos on the left middle panel and on the right it has this big like structure and it says mechanics across the top i saw that word it's a reference to so rocket raccoon's first appearance is in the incredible hulk like 283 or something like that um written by bill mantlo and after he got pretty popular from that series, they've greenlit the four-issue miniseries with Mike Magnola, where Judson Jakes of Mayhem Mechanics was the main villain. Um, so it's just like a little tiny nod to Rocket Weird. Raccoon having been created. But Al Ewing loves those characters, so it makes sense. Yeah, it works great. And then just to wrap it all up, it's really perfect there's a part at the end where Joe Fixit uh, uses the sound system in the oh that was great play in the the store to just blow out the symbiote, and if uh, anyone reading this reread it, l- look up that song on YouTube, go to two o seven and start it and read the reread the last several pages listening to that song, just take your time and it timed perfectly. It is so much fun, and it made this issue that much better. Ugh. A 10 out of 10. Andrew, no, thank you for, for no doing the far. thing where you paired up the song in the comic. I appreciate I you very you much. Did that. Yeah, <laughs> That's great. I had a great uh, music and comics moment um, this week. I Sam was listening to christmas jazz but we were listening to like a there was some like christmas jazz it was like just like very flugel it was like a Harmon mute trumpet like very like smoky jazz club 1940s or something and i was reading rorschach and it was just (laughs) like oh yeah you guys did it it was so like smoky and Harmon mute like oh it was it was very good music and comics andrew that's it's a great thing to point out thank you so much for talking to us immortal hulk you guys everyone scores on immortal hulk i think the art is amazing i think i you give me a christmas issue a silent issue which i always love especially when it's a, a highly competent writer and artist together um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go nine i almost felt like 8.5 but i feel like they should be congratulated for doing a one shot that ties into a marvel event and then threads the needle perfectly of like being related to it and then not at all i mean it's 10 from me i yeah you kill no holes hard it's, it's that's that i'd give it an eight and a half i really enjoyed it the art's beautiful and yeah it was a good solid read i didn't read it roman oh you yeah, know okay um <laughs> I, well I, i'm gonna gooey duck it because for the, for, for the yeah for the reasons you guys said and for the, the end of it you know you finally you know, Hulk deserves some happiness even for a few months. And plus, it's got a quote from Dickens in the end. And I love Dickens. I love a Christmas Carol. I just watched one of the mo- last year's Christmas Carol movie with Guy Pierce. 
like two nights ago. Oh, I saw that it. was on the Netflix or Hulu or something. It's on. It's yeah. It used to be on Netflix. Yeah, now it's, it's on like Hulu. three hours long. It is, which I didn't realize when I got into it. But I did. It's, it's it's real. I thought it was really good. Three hours of Guy Pierce sold. Yeah, because it gets it. It gets into it's like Scrooge. You know his origin, and it gets into all these psychological reasons and his childhood. And oh man, is it CG when he jumps around and swims through his uh, money vaults? Hey, Django, do you want to continue that bit or do you want to talk about Reckless? I want to talk about Reckless. Let's that talk a, about... That was a the... Scrooge McDuck stretch. <laughs> oh, Scrooge McDuck. I loved Scrooge it. McDuck. Uh, Reckless, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. They are, in, in the next year, they're putting out three graphic novels, hardcover graphic novels about this character, Reckless. And each one is going to be standalone, but they were inspired, of course, by like old pulp uh, serials. And so they they got a bunch of them in the can. They said, you know, normally they they do things in issues and then collect them. But with pandemic and everything, they're just like, no, we're we're going to just make a big old graphic novel. And I don't know, it's it's probably two hundred ish pages, but it feels like a lot more because the paper is super thick. Uh, the story follows this guy who's, um, he, he used to, well, I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, but it follows this dude who, if you call his number and he likes what you're asking him to do, he'll help you. So like, did your dog get kidnapped and they said, no cops? Okay, I'll go help you. Did your car get stolen and, uh, and you need some help? Well, I don't really like car guys, so no thanks. Um, so he kind of picks and chooses and does these things if he if he works for somebody who he thinks isn't deserving of all of the money that he's bringing back to them. He'll skim some off the top. Otherwise, he'll let them pay him what they think is worth it. And uh, so he's he's just like a rough and tumble dude with a scar and like some PTSD and some sidekicks. And it's, I don't know, man, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips just always do something good. And this is... This is no exception. It's nice and uh, nice and pulpy. It's got a little bit of um, sort of like a Chinatown thing where he's he's going from one person to the next and and kind of putting this puzzle together slowly. Um, you know, they, these these guys haven't disappointed me since like Sleeper, and that's pretty much everything they've done is stuff's in sleeper so i've heard nothing but good things about sleeper sleeper's great this is even better like okay yeah they they, <clears throat> they just do good comics and uh it's it's 25 bucks it's a hardcover it looks good on your shelf it feels good when you're reading it i kept thinking i was turning four pages at a time because the the paper stock is some of the thickest paper stock i ever felt argument for omnibuses no, Jeff. No. no. <laughs> How would you compare it with Pulp, the one that just came out before it? Uh, kind of similar in that it's uh, it is a, a one and done. You get kind of the whole character arc and the whole story. Um, the biggest difference, I think, is that this feels like it could be the middle story or it feels like it could be the first story. It feels like it could be the last story. And pulp had a feeling of more, more like um, this was the end of the guy's life. And he's, he's kind of wrapping up all of his adventures here. 
Um, and it doesn't, I don't think it, it would have to be, but this, this definitely feels like you're thrown into episode 50 and it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just good, good crimey fun. And I'm really excited to see how they do the next two, because that, you know, like I said, they, they, they're saying that you don't need to read any of them to enjoy all of them or something. <laughs> That's the, the Ed Brubaker way. Yeah, really, really well done. I'd, I'd give it a nine and a half. Oh, that's fucking Django. And yeah. mustache is so good today. I walked into his, well, I walked up to his home today and I sort of surprised him. I knocked on you his door quietly. The shit out of me. I knocked on your door quietly. <laughs> About time somebody did. Here, and you were <laughs> moving long boxes. And, uh, I decided that I wouldn't lock loudly because you were about to turn around and notice I was there and you did. And I startled you. Um, <laughs> and that's what you get because your eyes were so sunken and dark. You were like so busy. Dude, you guys were all so funny. Wait, listen, this was perfectly simple podcast 207, the one after Seattle. Yeah. Uh, we had Colette here, which is amazing. Part of the family. Django showed up like Gandalf at the dawn of the third day in Helm's Deep, right? What was that? Didn't think that was going to happen. Fox showed up for the continuity corner. I always love that. A little duck, duck, gooey duck is amazing. Roman at some point became a character from Rocky. Guys, <laughs> if this were Rocky. a summer camp, this would be the, the, the fire that we all had at the end when we were all talking about our favorite memories um we'd all hug your camp counselor would like lick you and you wouldn't know why that happened that's a true story i'm looking back on that christian camp that i was at and it seems almost like that was a predatory thing um anyway it's uh it's been fun 207 uh you can get a hold of us at what's that Maine. 207 is Maine. The Maine, Costello. The Maine. The Maine podcast. You can get the us. Maine. Man. Oh, God. <laughs> Lobo joke. Oh. oh. We got an Abbott and Costello bow in there. <laughs> oh. Oh, Django, no. Oh, yeah. I even derailed the outro because that was pretty good. Um, you can send us emails or voicemails recorded on your phone at jeff at the Just say something about Papcast. That's what you're listening to. It's Papcast 207. It's a comedy show about comics. Um, comedy. Anything show else? about comedy. Yeah. Andrew, is there anything else we needed to clean up? Uh, yeah. No, no, there's nothing. Uh, is that all of it? You know. You know. I know. I know. No. And no. And I'm <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I'm Django. I'm Roman. I'm Colette. And that was Andrew. And it, it was fucking ruled. It was me. 